What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I'm one of your regular hosts that you hear every single week. My name is Mitch, and I have my both my co-hosts with me this week. Who, who, What, what are your guys' names? Uh, my name is Kyle, and I'm here. Uh, I'm Boozy, and I'm also here. All right, so we got the normal crew here, but we also have an additional special guest today. We uh, have a first-time guest, and uh, he's joining us for a plethora of reasons. Uh, but I guess I can start off by saying that we are in our we are covering the Universal Monster movies, uh, specifically three of them. We're entering our series of Universal Monster films, starting out with my pick, The Wolfman. Uh, in which I gave I gave this guest uh, his choice of all three movies that we've chosen, and uh, he ch- landed on this one. So I'm excited to hear why he chose this one. But everyone, give a warm welcome to Daniel Epler of the Cobwebs Podcast. Hey guys, thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hell yeah, it's been a long time coming, man. And this is crazy because uh, next week <laughs> I'm going to be coming on po- Cobwebs. Yes, sir. I'm really, really excited about that. I think uh, people are going to enjoy the topic that we've got picked out. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And uh, I don't know if we can maybe hint at something today, because I was going to talk about a couple titles that fit into that. Uh, You can let me know if you don't want me to do that. But (laughs) that's okay. okay. No worries. Yeah, but either way, uh, we've been we've been uh, internet friends, I guess, for a couple of years now. I think you you found the terror table somehow. I'm not entirely sure, but you were one of the listeners who reached out to us and actually spoke like you know we developed kind of a friendship and now i think cobwebs has been going for has it been it's been over a year now has it not yeah it's been about a year and a half it's crazy yeah so can you tell our listeners all about cobwebs and what it is that you do over there yeah totally so cobwebs uh, the full title is cobwebs a gothic cinema podcast so we are a horror movie podcast but we've focus in on like the old classic gothic stuff with like spooky castles and cobwebs and things like that. Uh, I started because I'm a really avid uh, podcast listener and I love podcasts and I listen to a lot of movie and horror movie podcast. And I I just like, um, I noticed I I couldn't find a podcast uh, that really connected with me that talks about this kind of stuff. And uh, it was definitely hammer. That is probably the biggest focus of the podcast and stuff I was really looking for. Like I found one hammer focused podcast I really liked, but uh, they had quit putting out episodes like even before I even found it. So I I just decided, well, I don't know. I I feel like this is kind of a void in, um, in horror movie talk on the internet. So maybe I'll, I'll just try it and do it myself. And uh, the first couple episodes were just me sitting in front of a mic talking about hammer movies. And uh, I, I didn't quite know what to do. So I just decided, well, I'll just do something and throw it out there. And, uh, from there, it's just kind of been growing, and and I've gotten the chance to uh, pull some of my friends and my wife in on it, and I've gotten the chance to talk to some internet content creators that I really admire and really like that have been gracious enough to come on and, and talk about spooky movies with me. And I, I tell you, through this uh, pandemic that's going on, this podcast has been like a lifeline for me like it's a social outlet Uh that i uh can do from home and i just get to have these fun skype conversations you know and um yeah i'm loving it it's been really really fun absolutely man and like uh yeah just not to kiss your ass because you're here but i've always considered you as like one of my favorite people to interact with because you're a dude who really knows your shit uh, you're very, very passionate, and you I could feel that through Twitter. Um, so getting to – I was legitimately excited to hear your podcast when you dropped it, and it was not a disappointment at all. You're a natural on the mic, and I think I'm – at this point, I am a cobhead. 
I'm uh, giving myself that <laughs> cob, cob hat. Yes. Are we going to yeah, keep that? Yeah, my buddy. <laughs> My buddy Chris Hurtado, who's on the show a lot, he calls them Cobb Weebs because uh, he's a bit. Oh, of an that's you, like you, Kyle. <laughs> oh, you got yeah, you got yeah. Kyle's interest now. Yeah, I don't like. I, I did I, want anime. I'm not offended, episode, but I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah, you did a Vampire Hunter D episode. I did. Yeah, yeah. I was totally out of my outlet. Uh, I don't know element, what that is. But Does I that mean I'm not a weeb? No, see, too. that's secretly <laughs> I'm probably the biggest weeb out of all of us because I, I legitimately have a binder full of anime. Um, but a it's binder? something that I've. Well, what? I, I, what? No, a binder. Okay, well, it's a it's a DVD like you know those like CD binders that everyone kept in their uh, in what? their cars in high school. Sounds like hentai without a doubt. Yeah. Okay, but it wasn't. It was just all like actual anime, like Vampire Hunter D, Blood, The Last Vampire. I don't know if you've seen that one. That's a good one to check out. If uh, uh, There's tons of really gothic uh, animes out there that are really good. But uh, I've fallen out of the anime game really hard in my adult life. But in high school, I loved it. Vampire Hunter D being one of them. Um, Sorry, but the yeah, man, I just threw me off. They it's because I, 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 kept, I kept all of my anime <laughs> in a binder because I, I think I might not have wanted to openly display like how... I didn't start. <laughs> I, get it. I didn't start. Is this like a porn collection for you? It, it sounds like that's what it sounds shame. like. Yeah. I didn't start embracing who I was until much later in life, so I often hid my nerdy things. So right. I would keep all that shit in there. But either way, man, yeah, like I'm, I'm a legitimate big fan of cobwebs. I think uh, every episode you get better, and uh, I just, I yeah. like the other day I was listening to um, you had Aaron Pin. I don't know him at all, but. Uh, He's a, obviously a content creator that you that you admire and that you like, and that dude was awesome. That was a great episode. Yeah, that he's great. Pretty, he knows yeah. about every kind of movie ever made. Like, uh, he he knows his shit way, way, way beyond me. So I was really lucky to have him on for sure. Yeah, he's a Canadian boy too. He yeah, is. So. Yeah. Respect. Yeah, but yeah. So I don't know you. You do a very good job of uh, getting the right people on your show and talking at length about. It's a, obviously, man, it's like every person and their dog has a fucking podcast these days. <laughs> and it's amazing that you found I mean, a way Kyle's to make Kyle's got one. two. Yeah, Kyle has two. <laughs> That's true. Um, but you found a way to uh, make it a little bit more unique. And uh, it, it's it's niche, but it's it's great. And I, I love it. And it's been wanting, it's been making me, it's been doing to me what I hope that the Terror Table does for a lot of listeners. And that's like, you know, rejuvenate your love for something that people are passionate about and hearing your passion about hammer horror and classic horror, uh, just makes me want to revisit some of my favorites or check out new ones that you, that you've been talking about that you're so passionate about that I've never seen or even heard of. And, uh, I think you're doing a great job over there. So I'm yeah. stoked to have you on for this episode. This is a perfect episode for you to come on. I don't know if I told you this, uh, about six months ago, but we were planning on doing this, uh, and in October and I was planning on having you on, but then you happen to beat me to the punch and ask me to come on your podcast. I'm like, hey, now we're both going to be on each other's podcast within a two week period. <laughs> so it's uh, kind of funny how that all works out. But either way, we're happy to have you here, man. Thanks. I really appreciate yeah. it. And I got to say, when you when you were saying how maybe Cobwebs rejuvenates your love for stuff, you guys do that for me with especially new horror movies. Um, I, I really admire how much you guys focus in on bringing light to especially smaller indie stuff that needs attention right now. And um, I just recently, like I've checked out a lot of smaller indie horror movies because you guys have recommended it. So I'm definitely a teabag, genuine teabag. Yes. Which, sure. can, can you name some? Like, I'm interested to hear what you actually checked out. 
Yeah, I think my favorite one I watched because of you guys is Scare Package. I was just about to bring. I was going to say I appreciate you bringing up Scare Package in your uh, in the last episode of Cobwebs. You guys planned a movie marathon, a twenty four hour movie marathon, and that was fucking awesome. And you included Scare Package in yours. I would love to watch Scare Package in the middle of a movie marathon. Yeah, that second segment in there that's like in the woods is yeah. like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. It, it, it really so is, great. man. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, and you also are um, like, I have so many memories of you agreeing with me, but no one else on the podcast. <laughs> uh, so I am happy to have someone here to back me up on Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. Um, so I got oh someone my in my corner this week. <laughs> That's right. Because I went on Rank and Review, and yeah. uh, I ranked that movie pretty high. Pretty yeah, high. you did. Wasn't it your first or second? It was my first, and it was Mary Parsons' <laughs> fifth. <laughs> out of six movies. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's also point that out. You, uh, you're you from Missouri, and or you're, you're currently living in Is it Missouri or Missouri? <laughs> oh, it is it is Missouri, but there are definitely some Missouri boys out there, and I'm not yeah, no, look, I've heard of it, Kyle. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is new to me. I don't know. Well, but, maybe uh, you're not cultured, Kyle. Daniel yeah, Daniel is also on uh, local R- Saskatoon podcast Rank and Review. So, like, it's just it's amazing, hilarious. man. This, this whole community is uh, it's awesome. Um, before we get into talking about like all of the spooky stuff that we've been up to lately, I just want to get our listeners a little bit caught up on you, Daniel. Um, so what got you so mm-hmm. horny about gothic aesthetic <laughs> in horror movies? Like what's specifically got- horny? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I was born in a Transylvanian castle and, uh, no, it's not true. Um, Uh-oh. I, uh, I don't remember a time in my life when I wasn't watching universal monsters movies. Honestly, my dad really loves those movies. Uh, so he brought me up on them. And when I was a kid, I was terrified of horror movies. And I think that's, that's a really consistent thing among giant horror fans. I almost feel like it's a prerequisite. You got to get scared to death when you're a kid. But the Universal Monsters movies never did for some reason. I always loved them. I always enjoyed them. And um, I had watched a few Hammer movies when I was a kid that I had taped off of TV and onto VHS tapes. And I would watch them over and over again. But like it never uh, occurred to me to seek out if there were more. And I sought those out in my adult life. But um, yeah, I know that uh, for a lot of people like watching old, old movies, like even as far back as the 1930s, it takes some getting used to, like it takes some adjustment and I'm sympathetic to that. I I know that there's an adjustment period, but I just never had that because I've been watching movies as far back as the 1930s uh, ever since I was a little kid, whether it was universal monsters movies or Errol Flynn swashbuckler movies or stuff like that. I just grew up on it and uh, I guess it stuck. And when I, Became an adult and uh, was able to watch whatever I want because I was a little bit sheltered when I was a kid from what I was allowed to watch. But old movies are pretty much okay. Um, I did really get obsessive of like 80s horror and 70s exploitation and all this kind of stuff. And I truly do like all kinds of horror movies. There is no kind of horror that I draw the line on. But um, yeah, I as an adult, like I just keep getting deeper and deeper into this old stuff that I grew up with and just seeing what else is out there that's like that. And um, yeah, it's it's my favorite stuff. And, and, and I often say because when it comes to horror, like I like the more challenging stuff, the more philosophical, the deeper, the darker. But ultimately, I want to go to the Halloween store, you know, and I want to look at fun, spooky stuff. And I'm ultimately a horror fan because it's fun. And I it's great when it's challenging, when it's frightening, disturbing. But I like horror that's fun. And, you know, Vincent Price is fun. Christopher Lee is fun. So that's my jam, you know. Yeah. That's Who's more fun between those two? Who is the the king of fun between those two? 
It is Vincent Price, but ultimately my boy is Peter Cushing. That is my top. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Right. 30%. 30%. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, and that's because that's the thing that like I, I don't know about you guys, Kyle and Boozy, but um as all three of us were emo kids. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't know, for me personally, I was always attracted to like gothic cinema because it just what it described my outlook on life. And um, <laughs> honestly, it kind of, no, but like, it's how I viewed the world as a kid. And like, I'm talking Tim Burton, sleepy hollow. Like I love that movie and I don't care what anyone says. I think that movie's fucking awesome. And so that underrated. Super violent. Like, you yeah. don't realize how violent the movie is. And I, yeah, I saw that I movie. I loving it, but I haven't seen it in so long. I saw it in the theater. So I saw it at a very impressionable age. And like, I, I love that movie, but I also, I grew up listening like, Bands like Chiodos with Bone Palace and uh, early AFI, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, Dude. My Chemical Romance, Scooby Doo, Atreyu. Atreyu, like all that stuff. The Curse, but like the like, Curse is a vampire. Yeah, the Curse is all yeah. about vampires. Like it's all of these metalcore punk bands that we grew up with. They all show influences from the stuff that you're talking about on Cobwebs, and uh, I think it's really cool that you're bringing all that stuff to light. Um, in a recent episode of Cobwebs, you said that you used to have a fascination with pouring hot wax on yourself. When did this begin? <laughs> when did this begin? And have you incorporated it into the bedroom yet? Wow. Uh, wow. So that was yeah, on our was... house of wax episode. Cause we just recently <laughs> did a series on uh, dark castle remakes and as well as talking about the old movies. So you and guys, by the way, house of, Sorry, go this ahead. this would this would be a great uh, if you want to listen to both the Terror Table and Cobwebs. You we both did the same episode. I think you did the um, educational version, like the version that like if you want to <laughs> know about these movies, listen to Cobwebs. If you want to listen to three dumbasses try and break oh, these movies down, but you did the uh, House of Wax, Vincent Price film, and the remake with uh, Paris Alton, Alicia Cuthbert. And uh, yeah, we just did that recently. That was was that not your first episode as a full full on Terror Table member, Kyle? Uh, it's yeah. Besides, like our top fifteen of yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Wait, perfect. so Daniel, did you do you fuck with two thousand and five's um House of Wax? Very much so. Respect. I think it's fantastic. I think they're both great. great, badass. They're both yeah. They're both great. They're both great. Yeah. But I was sorry to cut. I totally cut you off. But I just want to say that we have another <laughs> podcast online. That's defending uh, the 2004 House of Wax or 2005. Yeah, yeah. It needs more love. It might be four. What a, what a weird hill for us to all die on. It's not like it's, it's a great movie right now. I think it's just like, yeah, let's go for it. I'll take it. I'll take that hill. There's worse movies. There's worse movies <laughs> I've defended than House of Wax. So, I mean, I'm I okay with that. that. Oh, we know that. We, it's we probably a kids know. movie too, from like 2006. Yeah, <laughs> what Halloween, Halloween Town Three, Electric Boogaloo. Halloween Town Three is Halloween Town High. Actually, let, let, my... let's let Daniel talk. <laughs> I like I'm the guy that's my dying day. I will defend Hellfest. So yes, I will die for House of Wax 2005 as well. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Hellfest. Yeah, yeah, you're wrong about oh, that one. But uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy you enjoy it. The world will come around on Hellfest. It'll happen. Yeah, maybe maybe we will. But uh, yeah, so so wax like, do you do it on the nipples or where? Oh, oh. back to that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah okay, yeah. okay. So what he what he's talking about is what I talked about is when I was a kid, I would just dip my finger lightly into the candle wax, and it didn't really hurt because it was very light and it would dry, and then I would just keep doing that, and the wax would build up upon itself. Oh, so yeah. uh, it, it never got oh, poured yeah. on my nipples. I kind of think at least we all where did that. I'm, 
I definitely where I'm that. willing to admit on the internet, you know. Yeah, but I, I feel in like my I wasn't mind, around that many candles in life, I guess. <laughs> in, oh, I, I did that, but in my mind, I was listening to that episode with headphones. I was at work, and I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I pulled out my phone, and I was like, make sure to mention Daniel <laughs> pouring hot wax on himself in the bedroom. <laughs> it's like, that's the idiots that we are here. So... <laughs> I guess with it, yeah, we got a, that's a little brief rundown. Let's get into talking about horror movies, uh, stuff that we've seen recently. And Daniel, you've never been on the show, so you can talk about whatever you want to. But uh, I had to give your voice a little bit of a break. Let's uh, let's start off with Kyle. Kyle, I know you've seen a couple things. Have you? I have seen <gasps> at least one thing I'll speak about. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> Kyle um, finally did his homework. I was actually scared to put it because now it's kind of like a rarity that I actually watch another movie. <laughs> so I don't really know if I should even put it on Letterboxd and Mitch will see it. No, go hard. I don't care. <laughs> but anyway, I got around to watching a film that Mitch originally gave me as my Terror Table starter pack. And I'm actually very close to finishing the starter pack. Yeah, you have. <laughs> and also, the a last. A year later? <laughs> yeah. The last Eight, film in that months. starter pack is the best one of the bunch. And it's The Devil's Backbone, well, I'm which you can find kind of, on Cobwebs. I'm secretly kind of uh, holding on to that one. Yeah, but, uh, well, not secretly now. <laughs> but anyways, I finally got around to watching 2014's Starry Eyes. Uh, directed by Kevin Kolsch and Kevin Dennis Kelsch Woodmeyer. And yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the Pet Cemetery team that, uh, well, 2019's Pet Cemetery. Um, and also, I found out that Dennis Widmeyer worked on the art department for not only Duplex, the guru, but also Zoolander. So this man clearly um, has a background in creating um, beautiful worlds. Um, That's a great movie. The Zoolander is a great, great world. Yeah, so is the guru. Um, so <laughs> the, the I don't love know. The guru? You mean? No. Oh, no. The guru. Look What's up the, the guru. guru. Oh, my God. That, that's homework for later. It's Jesus. Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore. That's part of your starter pack. That's Duplex. Oh, wait, no, that is Duplex. Guru is... Sorry. I've seen Duplex. Duplex. <laughs> Just look up The Guru. It's from 2002, I think. It's insanity. Okay. Anyways. Um, like, yeah, so Starry Eyes, I was excited to watch because I had heard very high praise from both of you guys. And, like, it was one of those movies that had come up very often in, like, things that... I don't even know. I feel like every second episode, Starry Eyes is getting brought up. So I was actually very excited to watch this movie. However, I have to admit that I was quite a let down with starry eyes i'm not gonna lie what? <laughs> i did not really, really i did not really like this movie have you seen um, starry eyes daniel yeah i love starry eyes i've watched it a bunch of times yeah, it's okay. fantastic so hear me out maybe i maybe i'm just fucking dumb maybe yep. i'm no, no i can confirm that kyle yes maybe i just <laughs> missed something but i i i really think that like it has some good like ideas and moving parts i mean if you have nick simmons start of gene simmons family jewels in the film there's a good chance things are going to work out in your favor but the thing was is i've seen this movie five other times this name is one name neon one. demon maps oh, of the okay. stars neon no. this this predates neon demon and yeah. maps well, of the stars and it, maps of the stars it doesn't really matter on the date though because those movies have done it better <laughs> so like I don't this know. This is a I, horror movie. I've, I knew. I was about to say I knew Neon. De if it was between those two, you would pick Neon Demon. Neon Demon is a far, 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 far better movie than this. Way By better. better. You mean artsier, right? Well, the thing that is, is, that's all it is. But that, but that's actually a good thing to bring up, Boozy, because that is what this movie like half the time wants to be. 
It wants yeah. to be something like that, but it really struggles at maintaining that flow and that that tonal pacing throughout the movie. Like half the movie is spending time with like these millennials and commenting on what that kind of like culture is about. And I actually kind of thought that was going in an interesting direction. Then it totally fumbles with it. And the acting in this movie, like no offense to these people, but it's pretty atrocious. I'm not going to lie. The oh, lead, man, the, I, I disagree there. Alex Esso? Simmons? <laughs> Nick Simmons might give his best performance to date. That's fair. But um, I don't know. Like cool, Alex Esso? Cool one. She was all right. Like she, she gave a good performance from like probably ha- I would say half the time, but other times, like, I just felt like I was being force fed something. I was really getting bat over the head with the concept of this film, like consistently. That I and, can agree with, but and I, I still, I still enjoyed the movie. I don't know. Make, I, I, <laughs> I was kind of worried for this because i like, I literally changed my rating like six different times. Cause I was like, <laughs> I almost, I, I'm in this, I felt like I was in a corner. I'm like, no, I just got to be true to myself. And Man, who cares? Honestly, like what you like, don't like what you don't like. Well, it's yeah. difficult when you know your boys are fucking into a movie and you don't like it. It's not a good feeling. You know what I mean? Or at least I feel that oh, way. Oh, been there. Been there. Uh, so yeah. it's, 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 a little, it's a little difficult for me because I just felt like I didn't really have anything unique to say. Even if it is predating something, it could still feel unique. The Wolfman is a great example of that. It predates a lot of things that I've done it over and over again but it still felt unique to me watching it in kyle 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 you're blowing your load here (coughs) we're we're about 40 minutes from talking about the wolf man well that's an example though of why i think like if you're gonna say well like neon demon or master stars did it afterwards i don't think that's really an excuse if i'm being completely honest like i think a movie should hold up whenever it's being made and sadly i don't think this holds up um you know it it tries its best and it, the, half the time, I just think like those things that just don't really work. It just it, the sum of all of its parts don't really lead to anything too memorable for me, unfortunately. Okay. That being said, Sweet I love the cinematography in this movie. It felt really bleak and it felt really meaningful. And I think that was like the tone that the filmmakers were going for. And I, I could really see the heart and attention to detail. Like there's like weird, like exorcist, like cameos in the background of this movie and like little, like small things that you can tell. There's a lot of love and attention being put into the movie, but I do think that it's probably just coming down to the screenplay on this. If I'm being completely honest, I think that's really what brings this movie down. And, but that is just my opinion. Remember that people. Um, So yeah, I watched starry eyes and Honestly, yeah, here I am. <laughs> Still a blood. It's a bloody, bloody movie that you can check out over the Hollywood season or Halloween season. That's wow. one thing I'll le- I'll leave this on. I guess is that the last act is by far the best part of the movie. Oh so man, I entirely so disagree. Good. Oh, it I, without I, a doubt is. I like, I, it, I really enjoy the movie, and I think that it falls apart a little bit at the last act. I like think the, the the very final moments is I the think only thing I'm not. What the movie with. wants to do the whole time, it finally takes its time to do and it's 96 minutes but boy did it feel like three hours i almost turned it off i almost what? turned it off yeah we, we had different experiences obviously yeah. I, own, I own that movie you're holding my copy and i uh i have your sign multiple times <laughs> yeah, signed, oh, yeah we both have signed <laughs> signed by the producer aaron b coons so I don't know. I have to. I, yeah, you fucking piece of shit, Kyle. I wish I liked it more. I wanted to. I really did, but I just, to be honest, it wasn't for me. I do respect any movie that was shot in eighteen days, though. That's respect. But yeah. you know, shout not out really, to Starry Eyes. Starry Eyes. Not really your thing. Not uh, really my thing. I'm sorry. Whatever. Everyone will survive. There's still three people here who very much enjoy that movie. 
<laughs> yeah, um, and, that's, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So that's everything you got this week, Kyle. That's all I got, my boy. I watched. This is a YouTube, not YouTube exclusive. This is a movie I watched on YouTube. Right. Uh, it is called <laughs> Spider Labyrinth from 1988. Oh. It is also known as, uh, I hope I don't butcher this, Il Nido del Regno. It's an Italian horror film, and I found it has dubs. And it's, I'm not sure what actually happened. It's like. <laughs> That's Italian uh, horror. Yeah. yeah. Um this this scientist goes to this other place because there's a, a giant castle and there's like a cult in it. Daniel, I feel like you liked it. Like it's a very gothic almost. Um, I love Italian horror, so probably. Yeah, it's it's actually very well done and there's some really cool practical effects. There's uh, at the end a baby morphs into a spider and it's oh, really all sent, practical. It's you super sent, cool. You sent, oh, that you was sent the, me a Snapchat of that and that was actually very cool. Yeah, that looks no, sick. It was the coolest part. It was, yeah, it was the coolest part of this movie. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I don't even know if there's like a Blu-ray. I think there's a DVD copy, but I don't know if you can find it dubbed, but it is on YouTube if you look it up. So <laughs> how did you find this movie, Boozy? YouTube. Uh, no, I'll, I'll kind of get to that after. I have another Uh-oh. movie I watched that kind of deals with that. Anyway, yeah. That's a fun, right. uh, that's a fun deep cut, though. Well, Daniel, do you want to hammer one off? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I'm excited to talk about this one because uh, a, a lot of people in the horror community are talking about it right now because it just got a Blu-ray release from Severin, and it was famously like impossible to watch for so long. Uh, it's a movie called Cruel Jaws. Have any of you yeah, guys watched yeah, this yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, we can't get it in Canada. Like, I've tried oh, ordering yeah. it, and I can't get it. I've seen so many people flexing with their cover <laughs> of it, like, yeah, lately. And it's, it's known as, like, Jaws 5. It is. And Severin released a very limited edition slipcover that says Jaws 5 because they can't like legally sell that, but they kind of yeah. slipped that under the radar. Anyway, yeah, it's directed by Bruno Mattei, who's like the very, very poor man's Lucio Fulci in Italy. He would make like complete ripoffs of movies like he made Shocking Dark, which is uh, it, it went under the name in other countries Terminator 2, but it came out in the late 80s. Ooh, and uh, I love it's this really stuff. Yeah. it's really a total ripoff of Aliens. Like it's almost shot for shot Aliens until the very end when it turns into Terminator. There you go, Boozy. Cool Jaws. Yeah. Cruel Jaws is a complete Jaws ripoff, and uh, that's why it was hard to get for a long time because of copyright. Because not only is it beat for beat Jaws, but it even has music cues, I kid you not, from Star Wars. All of a sudden, <laughs> Star Wars music starts playing as these three guys are heading off into the ocean on their boat the to Imperial go kill March. a shark. <laughs> not, not quite. It's, uh, it's like the very opening crawl. Oh my god, well, that's even worse. Like, is it like <laughs> when Aunt Maru's burning in the distance? <laughs> <laughs> and before I say my opinion to this movie, I, I was very drunk with Chris Hurtado, <laughs> and we watched it together, and we just had so much fun. Because honestly, the shark stuff in this movie is not great. It's mostly stock footage of sharks, and then occasionally <laughs> like a shark head just pops up, and it's very fake. But you know, it still looks cool because it looks like a shark. And um, but it's it's the conversations and the dialogue and the acting that is so wildly entertaining because it's all off the wall. There is a scene where uh, this this guy who's basically the um, the Richard Dreyfus character, him and his girlfriend are making out. They're about to have sex. And then like uh, the police chief comes in. He's like, oh, man, there's another shark attack. We need you down there. And he's like, OK, I got to go. 
And his girlfriend gets so mad that he's leaving her that she says, why don't you go find a building, jump off, and go fuck yourself? And she storms <laughs> off. And then she goes off and she's In that him. order. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what that movie is like. And uh, I, I got to say, if you're going to have some drinks with some friends, um, it's a really fun time. Because it's like you've seen it before, but it's the crazy version, so you don't have to pay as much attention. Yes. Cruel Jaws is really fun. I can't, I, oh man, I can't wait I to get a hold of it. I remember one of the covers for that because it has the jaws in bold and then Cruel was really small. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. the way of getting away. It's with the it. same font. <laughs> I'm looking at this right now. This is hilarious. Yeah, that's wicked. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Cru- cruel jaws. All right. Um, I got a couple. Like, obviously, I'm partaking in 31 days of horror, so I'm not going to check off all of them today. I'm just going to randomly. Interfere with your regular watching? Uh, sometimes I watch stuff that's not horror. I watch a lot of stuff that's not horror. No, no, no. I mean, like, are you adding this on top of all the other? There's like 31 days of horror plus everything you usually watch. Dude, if you want to get really like critical, like critical with it, like I'm watching a lot of film festival stuff right now. So like, I'm not even including the. Thir- no, like, I'm yeah, still yeah. on top of that, making I sure don't know I. How you do that? Like, I'm a psychopath. Yeah, well, like cri- oh. crippling depression. I can we tell you that. that's. That's how it happens. Sounds like um, your parents are divorced or something. Yeah. Dude, are your parents divorced? <laughs> Fuck, how do you guys know? Dude, I have no idea. Just a guess. Did you listen to the episode? <laughs> Fuck boozy. <laughs> um, okay, uh, well, a couple that I, I... Honestly, all of these movies that I'm talking about today are Scream Factory titles, uh, which are movies that Daniel and I are going to be talking about on Cobwebs. Well, it'll... Uh, um, what, what's that? E- and I guess that's not an Easter egg. That's just bl- blatantly telling you what we're doing later. It's a teaser. <laughs> it's a teaser. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to start off with the latest one that I picked up, which is the new Scream Factory edition of Tales from the Dark Side. So haven't nothing. No one. You guys. Oh, I love Tales from the Dark Side. Hell yeah. All right, so I haven't seen this movie in so long to the point where it's almost like I haven't seen it before. It was almost like a fresh watch, and those are some of my favorites. Um, but this one's starring Christian Slater, Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, that kid from Mrs. Doubtfire and Brotherly Love, and the hot chick, Kyle. What's his name? Uh, it's one of the brothers. What's his name? I'll look it up. Get back to yeah. me. Okay. Either way, he's in it, and uh, yeah, this is a—it's an anthology movie. Um, it focuses around three stories with a wraparound. Uh, but this is man, this movie is fucking awesome. Uh, this was such a like—you're really taking a swing. Obviously, we're going to be going into this next week, Daniel. But uh, when you're spending thirty-five bucks on a movie that you aren't very familiar with, you're you're taking a gamble. It's uh this is my way. Uh, this is my VLTs. That's how I explain it to uh, you know other people in the trades. As they go, why aren't why aren't you into VLTs? I go, well, because I gamble with movies. <laughs> like, is, <laughs> is that something that comes up a lot? <laughs> Boozy, I don't know if you know this, but every single tradesman is a cr- like cripple. They're in crippling because of VLTs. <laughs> like, it's a I, very much a thing. But anyways, uh, this movie is just fucking ridiculous, but it is so good. This is a great anthology movie, and uh, it has, like, one of the segments is focusing around a mummy. I've been talking since uh, way before our Goosebumps episode that I've wanted to see more mummy horror, like, mummy horror done right, and I think they did a great job in this. Uh, Like, there's some really cool practical effects, and I think... um, like there's one particular mummy kill that is just fucking insane. Like that, uh, I think it's almost worth the price of admission right there. 
But uh, it's this is essentially just like an adult Goosebumps, and that's the charm of it is that it's just Debbie Harry's in an episode. Yeah, well, no, that's the TV show. Okay, I'm getting confused. So wait, what's the difference then? Well, there's a television show and then there's a movie. But it's an anthology. Yes. God. So it's a movie that's an anthology. Okay. (laughs) Not a TV show. Um, But yeah, like, bro. Boozy, Bruh. there's a, there's a there's a cat face hugger in this fucking thing. Like they, there's yeah, they actually like take there's like a it's like a really fun spin on Alien with the cat being a face hugger, and it is awesome. Oh. I will. Speaking of face huggers, I love that from Coraline when you guys yeah, like, yep. <laughs> that was, one of that was sick. Parts. Oh, Absolutely. by the way, it was Matthew Lawrence. Yeah, you were looking yes, for that's Matthew that's Lawrence. the one. But either way, this one, it's it's one of those movies that, uh, like, uh, it's one of those rare anthologies where, like, every single one of the segments has a payoff. Like, every one of them is good, has a payoff. So even if, like, one of them isn't as good as the other, they each have a decent payoff that's worth sticking around for. And, uh, like, there's one of the most absurd creature designs I've seen, but in a great way. Uh, I think, Daniel, you know what I'm talking about, the, like, gargoyle character. It's like a gargoyle that's a cross between... Yoshi in the Super Mario Brothers movie, but crossed with the din- one of the dinosaurs from that dinosaur sitcom that was for kids. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, the that intro movie? I do. Yeah. Oh, I love. Yeah, it. it's a it's a design that would be silly if the segment wasn't so genuinely emotional and like it's effectively totally. dramatic. Yeah, so you can just go along with it, you buy it. Yeah, I entirely agree. And I think that like this movie is like it's it's a relic that needs to be well nourished and it needs to be taken care of. And Scream Factory did a great job. I still haven't delved into the special features, but I'm looking forward to it. Also, um, a thing that I've complained about recently is like there's uh, I haven't been in love with like a lot of the Scream Factory recent releases for like the the artwork. I feel like they've kind of dropped the ball on some of them. But this is one of the most like beautiful looking box covers i've seen in a while i think the artwork that which was done by Laz marquez uh he's amazing and i think they crushed it on uh this blu-ray release so i i highly recommend checking out tales from the dark side the film on uh during this halloween season i loved it loved it cool cool, cool. uh boozy you got another one i got lots you, you want to do it you want to duel it out you go you go girl Okay. Uh, next thing I watched is a. This is probably out of anything I watched the creepy. This movie creeped me out, and I haven't been like real creeped out in a while. Uh, so I watched Possum from 2018, um, and it's written and directed by Matthew Holness, who was an actor in the British Office. And like, dude, you got to Google this guy. Uh, I don't know if you. I I didn't know about this guy, but he has like a weird alternate personality. Who's a musician, and it's called like Garth Marenghi. It's fucking bizarre, but he like won't acknowledge it in interviews. It's like the weirdest method acting I've ever heard of. And it stars Sean Harris, who had like a small part in Prometheus. He was the dude who kept fucking with the the worm thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the with the mohawk. Yeah. His name's yeah, like yeah. Fifeld or something. Yeah, it's Fife- yeah, it's Fifeld. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. and yeah, he's Solomon Lane in the the Mission Impossible films, which obviously I guess you never got into. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, this is genuinely really fucking bizarre and creepy, and it's an uncomfortable watch. And I recommend it for some people if you're really like it gets under your skin. Um. It's about a guy who's a puppeteer. 
and he goes back to his hometown and his dad's also a puppeteer but they're kind of weird and there's like there's like missing children and there's like something about like a child predator it's really fucking bizarre but this guy basically makes like an effigy of himself that's like a spider puppet and then it starts like talking to him and shit it is wild what have you seen possum no in fact i i missed the title this is called possum yeah, yeah possum uh, yeah, i haven't heard of this it's, yeah I... it's fucking and like i didn't really see people talking about this movie but it's scary i remember it was so yeah it was 2018 like the the year it came out all the like horror like the la based horror podcasts that i listened to back then they were talking about this movie like crazy in in the sense that it was like a very difficult watch Yes, yeah. I wouldn't yeah, like, say this is like a fun movie that I'd want to watch again. It's so bizarre and it's so dark and there's really nothing to cheer about in this movie, but it's so creepy. I think people will really like it if they want to have a hard time sleeping at night. That's what we're here for. Yeah. This looks wild. <laughs> like this looks kind of disturbing actually. Oh, I was like also going to say th- this is for Kyle. Uh Sean Harris was also in a movie called The Goob, which feels like something you would know about. Not oh my familiar. god, you guys, I cannot believe I haven't announced that Hubie Halloween came out today. <gasps> We're recording today on the on the day that Hubie Halloween is released. I'm missing it for you I'm guys. I'm this call now. <laughs> I cannot, cannot wait. Maybe I'm not familiar try. with the goob, but that sounds fun. He was in, he was in uh, Macbeth, though. He's fantastic in Macbeth, like the 2015 Macbeth. Anyway. Oh yeah, uh, Mitch, hit me back. Uh, well, let's go with Daniel. Daniel, oh, wait, you got sorry. another one? Yeah. Uh, so this is my favorite first-time discovery of October so far. And it's another crazy, bonkers movie. But as opposed to Cruel Jaws, I think it's like kind of legitimately good. And it's Amityville 2, The Possession. Have you oh, guys boy. seen Amityville 2? Yes, we have. So I'm very, very new to the Amityville movies. Um, I literally just original uh last month for the first time and a a lot of people call that movie like overrated but honestly i never hear good things about it i only hear people saying it's not that great so i watched it with very very low expectations and i i honestly liked it i thought it was a pretty solid haunted house movie but honestly haunted house movies are generally not my favorite kind of horror movies because i think i just i like monsters and creature designs and i like to see things and i'm not as interested in like creaking doors and things like that (laughs) but the thing that I love so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the thing I love so much about Amityville Two is that Tommy Lee Wallace wrote it, and um, he's just so good at at creating weird gags. And he just knows that if you're making a haunted house movie, there's no limits. You can kind of write in the house can do whatever you want because there's yeah. just no limits to what a haunting can do. And it's full of so much insane, crazy things. And I was constantly just like jaw on the floor at the bonker shit I was looking at. And it's so much fun. I thought it was actually pretty well directed for being such an insane script. It has the most disturbing incest I think I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Wow. Very, very uncomfortable incest. Yeah, that's... (laughs) But Amityville too. Yeah, go for it, Mitch. It's a it's a difficult watch because of that incest. But at the same time, he does such a good job of ratcheting up like a legitimately creepy movie. But then you have incest wrapped around it all. It's just like... But why? <laughs> yeah, I watch it and I'm like, okay, so the brother's possessed, so it's not his fault, but the sister has no excuse here. She's yeah. just like kind of going along with this. She even, uh, like, he, he tells her 
oh, I don't even know if I should describe this, but it's the terror table, so I guess anything goes. Yes. Uh, he tells her to take off her nightgown, and she's just like, oh, you, okay, just for a little bit. And she does, and she's completely naked, and uh, yeah. you just can't believe what you're watching. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boozy, don't you remember this? We did this with uh, Justin Bruce. Your your headphones are off. Your microphone is entirely off, Boozy. <laughs> We've lost Boozy. <laughs> yeah, Boozy's like talking to us, but we can't hear him. But yeah, it's a it's a fucking crazy movie. Uh, we actually have a friend who's watched every single Amityville movie. That's incredible. Yeah, that's really that, amazing. Like, so I guess we recorded an episode with him. It would have been two years ago. Uh, he had watched nineteen of them, and at this point, there's twenty one of them. I was going to say, I'm usually pretty well versed in horror franchises, and I couldn't have told you how many there were. No idea. There's no. 21. I think there's 21 or 22 now. Oh, my God. That but that's insane. because the Am- the Amityville franchise is just so it's so fucked because it's like uh, it's honestly a like public domain at this point. Right. Boozy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. can. Just wanted oh, to check. Okay. I, I unplugged the thing just to plug it back in and it canceled the call. I was like, why is that a feature? Well, you know, <laughs> all right. Well, life. cancellation corner. Let's cancel Skype. Uh, yep. Boozy, what were you going to say about <laughs> Amityville 2? Oh, no, I was just going to say that, like, like shit like that, especially like Amityville 2, really predates Pornhub by like 40 years right there. Like, they were doing the, the like sister stuck in the dryer thing, like, way before <laughs> it was. A... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's what I had to plug my mic back in for. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, but Daniel, to clarify, you enjoyed having yeah, so too. much. Okay. Because, okay. like, it is bonkers, but I legitimately thought it was a great right. watch. Really so, you cool. haven't watched the Ryan Reynolds one, then, right? No. That was just two. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Like, if you want to see hot bod Ryan Reynolds be a murderer, like. That's Ryan Reynolds at his hottest. Yeah, okay, just, uh, I have is. to take a 90-minute break. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on your calendar. <laughs> yeah, I remember that remake actually scaring me when it first came it's out. It's not that bad. It's, it's not bad. The, I, especially I'm compared with to all other 20, however many of them. Yeah, Daniel, yeah, you actually raise a good point about like that people always comp- say that the Amityville Horror is an overrated horror movie. But people always shit on that movie. <laughs> like, yeah, if anything, it might be underrated. It's just because yeah. it made a lot of money. That's kind of yeah, it. totally. Has, has a movie ever just been rated? You're just like, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was rated. <laughs> yeah, like Airbud. No, <laughs> Airbud is still underrated. Okay, yeah. gold, especially Golden Receiver. <laughs> um, wow. All right, Boozy, you want you want me to hammer one off? Sure. Okay, uh, another one that I watch. I'm going to try and save some for next week because I have a ton. Uh, another rewatch. These are all rewatches for me this year uh, or this week. I'm just this first week of October. I just wanted to get into the Halloween spirit with some of my favorites. And also, it wasn't planned that Daniel was going to be coming on this week. I just I've been wanting to revisit a lot of my Scream Factory collection. And uh, one of the ones that I haven't watched since I purchased it, which it would have been one of the first ones I that I bought was John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, which mm. is a movie that uh, the last time it came up on the show, Boozy was poo-pooing on it, and I didn't it's div- appreciate it's it. It's divisive here. Yes. Um, so, like, I I would I was going to say that this is one of Carpenter's most underrated scripts, but the movie does have a ton of issues, and uh, like it, it it has its problems. But the thing is. The further it gets in, the more the further you get into the movie, the more fun it becomes. The less 
the less like literal and you know like it, it's it's not one of his finest hours but it's a fun 80s bloody mess of a movie uh i think actually list uh listener former guest of the show friend mitch clark him and i have talked about this a couple times now he mentioned that um it, when talking about people like how they're remaking the thing, it's like, why are, why are they remaking the thing? Why don't they remake a uh, John Carpenter? If they're going to remake a John Carpenter movie, remake Prince of Darkness is what uh, Mitch Clark said. And it wasn't until this re- this rewatch that I was like, man, Mitch was entirely right. Like if there's a movie that's right for a remake out of Carpenter's catalog, it is Prince of Darkness because there is a great story in here. And the movie itself, I still love. I love Donald Pleasance. I love the Alice Cooper cameo. There, like, it's not even a cameo. He's like a main actor in the movie, but he doesn't say anything. He just stands outside the building and he's menacing. Um, but this is a movie where a group of scientists find a a liquid inside of a, an abandoned church, and if they open it, it could mean the end of the world. That's the that's the type of movie that we're talking about. And uh, I think that there's a lot of really cool ways cool directions that you could go with this. And uh, I think uh, Carpenter took a lot of those directions. And, like he, he did a really good job with this movie. I think this is middle of the road Carpenter. So it's not like, it's not the best. It's not the worst. I still think middle of the road Carpenter fucking rules. Uh, but this thing is grim. It's moody as hell. The score is great as usual. It kind of feels like Carpenter taking a whack at like an Ennio Marconi score. Like, it, it feels like his score in uh, like Ennio, Ennio score in the thing, but spiced up with like a little bit of a Western vibe and maybe even like a Twin Peaks, David Lynch vibe. And uh, I really dig it. I love all of all of Carpenter's scores, but um, I still love this movie. But I think the ma- the main problem with it is the pacing. I think there's just a, some things in this movie that could be tightened up a little bit that could make it stand up to Carpenter's finest works. But uh I don't know, man. I just I don't think anyone in the world has bigger dick energy than Donald Pleasance. <laughs> like Donald that might Pleasance, be true. he might walks be true. into a building and he's just got that big dick energy. Like you know, when Donald Pleasance is on the screen, he's commanding it, and I think he owns in this movie. He always owns, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just there, there's there's eerie, eerie similarities between the way that Donald Pleasance describes this liquid and Prince of darkness, Uh-oh. like the, the evil of the liquid to how he describes Michael Myers and Halloween. It's pretty funny. <laughs> like it's, that's like one of my favorite parts. I was like, this liquid is just Michael Myers <laughs> and I'm all for it. I'm for it. I am here for it. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's, it's a decent movie. It's not one of his finest ones, but, uh, I still think it's worth a watch. Uh, just go in knowing that it's not one of Carpenter's best, but, I think you can find some really gooey effects. This movie's filled to the brim with bugs. If you're not a fan of that, like bug horror where there's going to be insects, like real insects all over the place. I know Courtney wasn't excited about that, but uh, I was happy to see her reaction. And uh, I had a great time. I still, I fuck, I love Prince of Darkness. I know it's, I know it's flawed, but I love it. Um, I so love Prince of Darkness too. You do? It's so good. Okay. Yeah. I do. I understand what you mean about the issues though, because it's a movie where like it feels like John Carpenter has a lot of ideas about yeah. religion and the relationship between religion and science and God and the devil. And he, he kind of he doesn't quite know how to present it without characters just kind of standing around talking about it. 
But the ideas are interesting. And it's honestly, and I love John Carpenter. I, I probably consider him my favorite director. But it's the only Carpenter movie I've really gotten creeped out by, like legitimately creeped really? out. Really, I think it's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Because like, I love creepy, Halloween and the thing. But, yeah, yeah. It is creepy, but uh, yeah, I can agree that's creepy. But I've been creeped out by a lot of his movies. Um, yeah, I, I I still really enjoy it, and uh, I don't know. I, I wish Alice Cooper was in more horror movies in the eighties. <laughs> like, could is always use Miles. Of course, he is. <laughs> Holy shit, he's got to look like a skeleton. Man, there is no one I've seen more live than Alice Cooper. I was just going to say, he's like literally in town every week, it feels Dude, like. Dude, he seen... looks fucking ancient and Prince of Darkness. <laughs> yeah, I know. He uh, is the Prince and, of Darkness. Dude, the last time I saw him, a Connelline crush was opening. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, this, this was like 2015. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, they're way past their expiry date. You gotta yeah, throw but them Alice, at that point. but Alice isn't. At it, the fridge. It's really cool. Still, like even though, like obviously, Alice Cooper isn't as good as he used to be. Like he's not as strong on stage. But the thing is, he's got his whole family out there with him, and like they're doing all these theatricals. And I, I still love it. Uh, Alice Cooper will always have a huge spot in my heart and a big reason why I'm doing this kind of stuff today. So I love Alice Cooper. Uh, but yeah, that's Prince of Darkness, and I'm happy I have some backup here. Because Boozy was an idiot for shitting on it. I don't think it's that good. That's just me. I, I, I think, like, yeah. You, you got to try a different strain. <laughs> I'm just, it's all going down the tube, baby. <laughs> all right, Boozy, you got another one? Oh, yeah. Uh, so this movie actually just came out. What day is it today? Is it the 7th today? 7th, I think. Yes, it's the day that Hubie Halloween comes out. It's October yeah, okay. 7th. God, how can I forget? Anyway, uh, this movie came out yesterday on VOD, so if people want to go check it out, it's out now. Uh, it's called... I, I'm going to like mispronounce a bunch of shit here, so just go with me. It's called Ar- Archons. Um, it's basically the director of Black Mountainside. Uh, oh. This is his next film. Ar- Archons? I, I'm, I'm not too sure how to say it. I haven't watched um, it yet, but yeah. And, and the, like, I... I'm also going to not say the director's last name because I'll just butcher it. He has, to be fair, normally I would take any chance I have to make Boozy sound like a dumbass. That dude has a last name to end all last names. This Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's an S, there's a Z, there's like a W, there's a J and a Y. Yeah, no, there's too much. How do I say that? I don't know. Either way, to add some context, Boozy really enjoyed a low-budget indie film from a a couple years ago called Black Mountainside. Which is on uh, Tubi. It's on Tubi. He uh, sent us his latest film, Archons, I believe it's called. Uh, I intend on watching it as well, but what did you think? I thought it was super cool. Um, It was a really fun idea, and it's something I haven't entirely seen before. And actually... um, Funny story about this movie. So during this film, they reference Saskatchewan and they reference like a specifically small town. So I was like, okay, which I small town? Elfros. So I was oh, like, I, I have to ask him about this. So I went and I was talking to him about it, and I was like, oh, you you made this like small town fan. Like this is probably the biggest thing this the town's ever been named in. So I went and updated the wiki for him and sent it to him. So he liked <laughs> that, and now we're friends. <laughs> you're the oh my god you're that dipshit who's upload like changing wikipedia pages <laughs> yep uh anywho yeah um definitely a good movie i don't want to give a ton away because i think people should check it out but it's uh 
basically a band goes into a wood the woods tries some experimental drugs and some wild shit happens yeah and uh for people who don't know like yeah the black mountainside it was a it was a it played some festivals and uh it's received a lot of praise from a lot of horror fans it's from kind of me re- over and over <laughs> yeah boozy really liked it uh but it's a very low budget kind of th- this is a guy who's just working with what he has and trying well, his it, best it, to. like we could say like totally black mountainside is an homage to the thing and i i think yep. it's it's awesome and that's yep. you know what maybe i'm biased but i love it for that yeah okay. well i'm looking I, forward to seeing this ne- next so yeah, film. go go check it out i think it's cool I just got to say, I am on the Archon's IMDb, and I have Mm -hmm. seen one of the most ridiculous reviews I've ever witnessed in my entire life. (laughs) Everyone is entitled to their opinion. Do not get me wrong, but I find this pretty unfair. They give it a 1 out of 10 because the actors were smoking, and at one point, like, (laughs) flicked their cigarettes. Oh, yeah, they were smoking. Dude, they were smoking king sizes, too. (laughs) They're what? They were smoking king sizes, too. Like, when they were smoking this movie, I was like, they pulled out the extended clip. Yeah, (laughs) this person is upset because in the film they just like flick their cigarettes into the forest and therefore they're irresponsible. Well, dude, it was was beautiful BC. I get it. I'm looking at it too, and and the tag the the headline of the review is irresponsible trash. This is disrespect. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, I did not want to like totally put this person on blast, but I have to. Like, this is not fair. No, but those are those are the types of reviews that we just don't need in the world. This is disrespect. I do not stand. I do not stand for that kind of disrespect. That's disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're already running a bit long here at fifty three, but I want to get one. Boozy, do you have a couple more yet? I have two, but I can save them for next week. Uh, yeah. Let's maybe save them. Are you down for that? But I want to hear one more from Daniel if you got them. Daniel, do you have another one? Yeah, totally. This is actually. I do. This is my actual favorite of like the new horror movies that I've checked out. I'm a little bit late to the party on this one, so I think everybody's seen it already. But uh, I checked out The Rental on VOD, which is the new. Yeah, Dave Franco directed horror movie. I'm so in for this new trend of like comedians directing horror movies because so far it's it's all been good for me. They get the timing. Yeah, they really do. I want to watch that Baruchel one too. I keep forgetting to check that. Yeah, random so acts yeah. of violence. Yeah. Big you guys fan both... of that one too. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. But the rental. What I really love about this movie is it, it's very clearly separated into three acts, and each mm-hmm. act is like a clearly different genre. Like it goes from a relationship genre to a Hitchcock thriller, pretty much, and then it kind of turns into a slasher. And totally. uh, the slashers my least favorite part, but I still dug that part as well. The relationship stuff is so good. It's so interesting. And I think, yeah, the slash is kind of a backstory, honestly, to this whole film. A little bit. It's a lot of the, the drama within that. that, Well, cause the slash, the slasher just comes in to tie everything up, but like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's such a, the the best part of it is the, the, I guess, disagreements between the people there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a return to the like run of mumblecore horror movies yeah. that like Ty West and Adam Wingard were doing, and I really like those movies, and I've kind of missed them. Like I miss Ty West. I want him to make another movie because I love everything he does, and uh, this felt like a little bit of a return to that. So the actors are great, especially Dan Stevens, because I have a giant man crush on him, like everyone else who's ever seen him in anything. Yeah, except for fucking Kyle. We got to point that out. We wouldn't have let Kyle on this podcast, but we just found out that Kyle is a Dan Stevens denier. 
Yeah. I don't know. Meyer. The, the, this wow. was a huge. This was actually like he brought Wait, this up oh, the other day. Well, he this. was shitting on the oh. guest. Yeah. He would have never gotten on this podcast if I would have known his opinion on the guest. Honestly, the guest and starry eyes. Jeez. The guest is just like, okay, <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. It's not no. bad, but it's not great. No, it's fantastic. It's the best movie of the last 10 years. Oh, bro. Come everyone on. loves it. Don't. Literally don't. everyone. It's not <laughs> like Kyle. In, Kyle, go Kyle. jack off to your under the skin and fucking <laughs> I mean, pretend like you. There's oh. a like. It's not a bad movie, but I don't really get. I don't really understand. I totally just derailed Daniel's review. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But also, <laughs> I like Dan Stevens because I don't think the guest is great. Doesn't mean I have. I disrespect that guy. Yeah, you're wrong, uh, Dan. Y'all. <laughs> oh sure. I don't know how much more I have to say without like getting into the spoilers or anything, which I don't want to do. But um, yeah, it's a super tight, like really, really tight, efficient horror movie and um I, I i dug it and i like the the very end scene because it kind of tells you that like reviews on airbnbs don't matter you can still get uh-huh. murdered there you know yeah. and i thought that was a nice little little add in there so yeah the rental's super good i dug yeah. it a lot totally agree man totally agree um may i say one more thing before we finish up here say it boo boo Okay, so I won't do I won't do the full thing because I'll talk about this next week and I'm going to add another one to that. But I just want everyone to know I did watch another Ernest movie and I want to talk about it next week. <laughs> Which Ernest movie did you watch? And also, I let you guys off way too easy for pretending like you don't or like at, for not knowing who Ernest is. That's insane. It's insane. What do you mean? Let us off. What, what are we supposed to? I let you off too because ask? you guys were like, do you, do you guys know who Lamb Chop is? I was like, who the fuck is Lamb Chop? It's like, dude, I, so many people message me saying that Lamb Chop. Like, they're like, yeah, Lamb Chop. That's yeah, dude. Thing. I guarantee you, Ernest is a hundred times bigger than Lamb Chop. I've heard of Ernest, but I never watched it. There's a difference. Okay, yeah, <laughs> Which that's... one did you watch? Uh, I watched Ernest Goes to School, and uh, um, I'm going to talk about. <laughs> Next week, because I'm going to watch uh, Slam Dunk Contest. Uh, this <laughs> week. Slam Dunk Ernest. Slam Dunk These Ernest. Real Slam, Slam Dunk Ernest. But um, he spends a lot of time around kids, and in a post-COVID world, some of the things he does at school, it makes me cringe. But we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> okay. Something to look forward to next week. Um, but yeah, this, uh, Daniel, do you have any other ones that you want to give a mention to before we get on to our main feature? Uh, no, that's okay. I mean, I've been watching horror movies all October, so uh, I'm okay for now. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to be, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with uh, The Wolfman from 1941. Whoever is beaten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, don't hand me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf beat you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. You wouldn't want to run away with a murderer, would you? Oh, Larry, you're not. You know you're not. I killed Bela. I killed Richardson. If I stay here any longer, you can't tell who'll be next. We've reached our main feature presentation, in which we're going to be discussing The Wolfman from 1941. Uh, so this film opened just two days after the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941. Daniel, can you tell us a little bit about The Wolfman? 
Yeah, absolutely. Why did you do uh, that to him? I thought you were going to tell me to talk about Pearl Harbor. So did I. I was like, tell us about Pearl Harbor. Like, I'm not up on my Michael Bay movies, dude. I haven't seen Pearl Harbor, but oh, I like awful. Ben Affleck generally. You've never seen Pearl Harbor? Good. Oh, no. I have, it's uh, the worst. Not they make, they make love in a giant sheet. It's weird. <laughs> Kyle's literally out of his seat. I think I'll that was insane. <laughs> Mitch, so, I've never seen you do someone so dirty. That was wild. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but for real though, like we we invited Daniel on. We wanted you to come on for our Universal Monster series, which was we we had been planning on doing this for a while, but I've always wanted to do it in October. It was recommended by Bevan, uh, our uh, one of our listeners, who's actually shout out to Bevan. On. Bevan's yeah, going to be on the next episode. Uh, but Bevan chose the series, and uh, this was a movie that I chose to talk about out of all of the classic Universal monster movies. And uh, I guess I want to know if if you could like lend out a little bit of a synopsis, give us a little bit of a rundown, and then we can just get into this thing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Wolfman, you know, it takes place in Universal Monsters Town, essentially. They're often not very specific about where it takes place, but it's some kind of a small village in Europe. And um, it's about this guy named Lawrence Talbot. And he's from like the very, very wealthy family in this town. But he's been away in America for, I believe. 18 years and he's played by Lon Chaney Jr. So he comes across as very, very American and his father yep. is played by Claude Rains. So he looks like he's adopted, but we're to understand that he's not. So we just kind of go along with that. He is there because his brother passed away and he's kind of there to fill his brother's role as the eldest son and as the person who's going to inherit this giant estate. But, uh, you know, he gets a little bit horny and he's looking a telescope and he sees a pretty girl and like a good American boy, he heads on to he's at and uh, wants to go have a conversation with her. And he ends up going on a date to go see a fortune teller. And there he comes across a werewolf and gets bitten. And from there, you can probably guess where the story goes. Do you guys want to jump in or do I talk? Yeah, about no, absolutely. Absolutely. So <laughs> is this oh. a, Like I've seen this movie multiple times. This was the very first Universal monster movie that I had seen. Uh, This was the one that I saw when I was just flipping through channels as a kid. And it was on the AMC used to do movie marathons during uh, during October of just scary movies. And like, you know, they would sprinkle in nightmare stuff, Halloween. And then uh, late at night, weirdly enough, they would be playing these classic Universal monster movies, which is weird because. These are generally films that anyone can watch. Like they're PG for the most part. Um, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing here that's gonna destroy a young kid. Uh, I can speak from experience that I, when I was young and saw this film, it, it didn't scare me. It more so lended. It more so made me realize that monsters can be empathetic characters or sympathetic characters. And that was something that I hadn't been exposed to before, before this, like before this, I'd been watching movies like nightmare on Elm street, Halloween and uh child's play and all that stuff. And uh, you don't normally, you don't really feel bad for those slashers. You don't feel bad for the monsters. And I feel genuine heartbreak for the Wolfman, uh, Larry Talbot. And, uh, Ever since then, I, I pretty much, yeah, I, I obviously I went back and I've, I've seen all the classic Universal monster movies at this time. And 
I wouldn't say that the Wolfman is my number one favorite, but it is up there for me. And uh, I love this movie. Have you, Kyle Boozy, is this a first time watch? Have you guys seen this before? Where are you guys at? Well, this uh, is this is my first time. Yeah, this is my first time too. Even and though I've seen parts of this, like I, I remember a lot of this. This was I have to be the first time all the way through. That's bizarre to me, specifically for Boozy, just because I know how big of a like werewolf fan you are. So like we uh, got to. That's where we get specific. Yeah, we, well, we definitely we need to we need to open up the gate and talk about some werewolves today in general, but. Uh, I genuinely just want to know what you guys thought of this as a first time viewing in 2020. Well, I think, I think overall I had nothing but a giant blast with this movie. Like I really, really enjoyed it because this was, there was a lot of pressure, honestly, in a way going into this one, because this is probably the first, um, universal monster movie I've seen all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of quite a few of them. But I've never really sat down and watched one um, in this fashion. And it it really reminded me of the good old days of, I don't know, seven months ago when we watched some uh, some classic films with like uh, House of Wax and Body Snatchers and things like that. Where, you know, I won't go into great detail what I said about those films, but it's just that idea of those these classic stories done really well. And there's a reason why these movies hold up and are remembered so fondly. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I had a blast with this movie and, and it really held up in kind of the pressure I put on myself kind of jumping into this series and also the pressure and prestige that a movie like this has. Um, I like the big takeaway from this for me is that the art direction for this movie is just fucking gorgeous, man. This movie looks smooth. It looks like butter. It's like I could eat this movie. It looks amazing. Like I was blown away. Like, you know, sto- like visually this was like the most striking thing i've seen maybe this year <laughs> like i'm not even kidding like just that i've seen in a long time like i actually found it to be really inspiring like you haven't seen that, hubie halloween yet well yeah, we're dude. getting there buckle we're getting up there. stepfather three i don't know and, and it's just funny to think of like films like the lighthouse and other films that are you know trying right, to right. replicate or pay homage to a style like this it's great to see where that style comes from and to be like, you know, really appreciating the touch points and the epicenter of those ideas. Um, and like what you were saying, Mitch, about like feeling for the monster and feeling empathy and heartbreak for, you know, this character. And I guess maybe maybe characters from other films that you're, you're talking about. I totally felt the same way. Like this movie ends on a very depressing note. <laughs> like it's uh, it's not really a, it's not a happy movie. But at the same time, it does have this GPG feel to it where it is kind of accessible and, um, you know, just enjoyable, even though it's kind of surrounded and, you know, living in this sorrow. I don't know. I love right. it. I thought this was a great movie. Yeah, yeah no, um, I also really like this movie and I'm glad I got to actually watch it the whole way through. And like you're saying with, with directors trying to copy this style. There's something about these films, like, obviously, that's a redundant thing to say, but there's something about these films that will never be recreated perfectly. Like, when you have the wolfman going through the woods, and there's kind of, like, there's, you know, a little bit of a fog, and and it's so dense in there. It's, like, like, there's a lushness to that, like, style that you'll never see today. Nothing. it's, It's genuinely creepy. Nothing gets my dick harder than seeing the Wolfman's (laughs) feet pouncing through that fog. 
dude. Like, oh, watch I, I have to say that, that is an amazing scene, but I love how after he changes into the Wolfman, he walks very daintily everywhere. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was like he was holding tea. <laughs> He's but, so okay, careful. Last, last thing before we get into like the full thing, I really think that this is something that should come back. Is there like when they were going through the start of this movie and had the opening credits where it showed like a little snippet of each person and said like starring as like. I miss that. There's yes. it made it gave movies so much more prestige because you're like, holy fuck, look, it's that guy and it's this guy and it, and it's like I can't wait to see all of them do the things that I just saw a snippet of. Like, I could not I more. Oh, it, it, <laughs> I like, love that. that's that's some shit that's missing today. Is that a regular thing that happens in like most of the hammers that you the hammer horror films that you watch, Daniel, or like all the classic old school films that you watch? Uh, absolutely not. It's not a common thing with any kind of old movie, but I would say the only other time that I remember seeing that in opening credits is like comedies or like romantic yeah. comedies or yeah. things like right. that. This is the only horror movie I can think of that, uh, that does that pictures at the beginning. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it just, it makes it feel so much more prestigious. It, it like, it, it pumped me up. Yeah. It was like um, sandstorm. Yeah. Was this playing. is so good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, I'm curious. Well, first, I want to hear general thoughts on the movie, but I also want to know, what are your thoughts on Larry? What do we think about Larry? Oh, this is such a good, this is an excellent question to lead into the the main reason why this is my favorite of the Universal Monsters movies. And it wasn't always. Like, it wasn't when of, I was a kid. Of, I was definitely. Of, out of everything. Out, out of all the Universal Monsters movies. Wow. Yeah, this is my favorite one. And I was definitely a Dracula guy when I was a kid. And I still consider Dracula my favorite horror character as a whole because I just love so many Dracula movies. I'm obsessed with that character. But when it comes to these specific movies in the Universal Monsters cycle, The Wolfman is my favorite. And I think the reason is Larry, because when it comes to my love for horror movies, you know, I love monsters. I love gore and special effects. Like protagonists and protagonists are the reason that my favorite horror movies are my favorite. And it is the reason that overall, I am a bigger Hammer fan than I am a Universal Monsters fan. And it's because I think they do protagonists better as a whole. Because, like, I love Dracula and Renfield in Dracula, but I do not give a shit about David Manners as as Jonathan Harker one bit. And you guys will get to him, so you don't need to say thoughts about Dracula. But the Wolfman, I care so much about Larry Talbot. And uh, Lon Chaney Jr., he just gives, like, the ultimate everyman performance to me he's like the kevin costner of the yeah, 1940s totally yes yeah yes. i, I love i love kevin costner i truly truly do and uh and it, i would just i would say if they wanted to like make an exact remake of this movie like maybe in the 90s kevin costner would be the guy and um yeah i care so much about larry and i care a lot about gwen too and i really like their relationship and i am that guy that defends how they originally meet. Cause like I'm watching this movie oh, with my wife very last night for me. <laughs> it's very I, baby. I it's cold it. outside. Very baby. It's cold. <laughs> yeah, outside. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm going to get myself canceled on the terror table podcast <laughs> yeah. right now, but it's not I'm that hard. This movie with my wife last night. <laughs> Don't worry. No one listens. And she's like, she's like, Oh, she just, uh, he's just admitting to be a creeper. And I'm like, yeah, but here's the thing. This is the this is the important difference between like flirting and being creepy. She's into it. She's yeah. clearly into it to me from the start, and they are flirting, and I, it is a back and forth. I, and also, yes. he's he's not looking for her in the telescope. He's just trying out a telescope, and he happens upon her. So it's not his fault. And he's just like, and oh, she's Elvin Anchor. 
Yeah, she's all of an anchor. She's stunning. So why wouldn't you stop with your telescope? And she's not undressing. She's not doing anything. She's just putting earrings on. She's fully clothed. So I don't find it creepy. And I really like their chemistry. What's funny is those two actors did not get along at all. And there was really? a point where they were going to do another movie together later down the road. And Elephant Anchors was like, no, I'm not doing it. I don't want to work with Lon Chaney Jr. again. Really? Yes. But in this movie, I man, she... I think they're dynamite together. Well, the thing is, is he, again, I'm a, I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about it altogether, but <laughs> to be fair, he is quite upfront. He doesn't really lie to her. He does straight up. He's honest with her. That's probably the biggest. Yeah, bonus. but you're, you're walking a pretty fine yeah. line when you tell he, someone that you've been staring at him yeah. through a telescope. You're well, either getting called he the only, cops or he, she's When he her. goes in for a kiss, she goes in for that kiss as well. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what right. matters. And that's the only time where he gets forcible. Maybe that that's being... how, how love was back then, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Baby, because we're old outside. not problematic at all nowadays. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I'm not sure I'm okay with it. But that being said, he does just exude this, like, lovable loaf energy that, like... That's why I love him. Like, how could you deny that? Yeah, but it's I really see myself. I see myself in him. He's a big, dumb, fucking big dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's like I. That's what I like. I love man. I love the casting of Lon Chaney Jr. in this. In this, like, I think he's the perfect Wolfman, and he crushes it when he puts on the makeup as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, there's there is something about you know I don't know juggling those two personas, right? Like, this is an early example of that. I mean, that's a thing we see all the time now, but it is kind of a testament to his like ability as an actor to really pull both of those off. Even right. if he is just skedaddling about near the end, but it works. Like, it really works. Can I, I have a question that goes into kind of the lore of this movie. Why is the one guy fully transformed into a wolf and the other guy is a wolf man? Do they, they might acknowledge that in the movie, but I can't remember. Good question. Uh, you, guys, you guys are reading my mind because that was the next point I wanted to make about this movie is the lore. Before, before I address that exact thing, I just want to say that, like, these Universal Monsters movies, you know, they're so important because they really establish the monster in film. They're not they the make, first they horror the movies. Yeah, they're not the first horror movies because there are a lot of silent horror movies. And actually, I've very recently started watching silent movies. For the longest time, I avoided them. And, and now I'm starting to get into them. And um, the thing about silent horror movies is like there there's some good stuff. But they're they're rarely concerned with monsters. They're much more concerned with like mood and things like right. that. Yeah. And, and it would there would no be no Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers if it wasn't for these Universal Monsters movies establishing what that like central uh, terrifying character is that becomes iconic and gets sequelized and things like that. But what makes the Wolfman very different than Dracula, Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, um, the Phantom of the Opera is those are pulling off of books and they're pulling off of an existing lore. And it is true that the Wolfman is not the first werewolf movie. It's not the first werewolf story because that's existed in folklore for before film existed. But what we know of to be a werewolf came from this movie. Almost all yeah, of it. Totally, this, yeah. this movie is not accurate to actual folklore, but it's the werewolf story that we know. And I am blown away by how efficiently this movie communicates the lore of what a werewolf is because I'll compare it 
to um, Hammer's only werewolf movie is The Curse of the Werewolf. It's a movie I love. It's not a movie that I would like recommend to newbie for newbies for Hammer because it's nothing, and I mean nothing, like any other werewolf movie you've ever seen. And the lore is so overly complicated. And I've seen the movie many times, and I'm not sure I could totally tell you what makes a werewolf a werewolf. But boy, gotta cut movie, you off it. I was about because I was gonna watch that in preparation for this episode because I wanted to watch a Hammer movie to talk about. Uh, but I'm gonna be doing that next week. I don't know why I cut you off to tell you that. <laughs> I got, it seemed important at the time. I got a little yeah. bit of a chop hearing you talk about watching Hammer movies. So I yeah, no, well, I yeah, I own a ton of Hammer movies. So and like I, I really love this stuff, but uh, the cobwebs is really uh, making me want to check out more. So uh, continue about the wolf lore of like Curse of the Werewolf, and then like you you you, I, you were onto something before I. <laughs> cut you off super hard i apologize it's all good it's all good dude yeah i i love the curse of the werewolf but um the lore is so overly complicated and convoluted and it just makes me appreciate all the more that the wolfman creates this lore and it's so simple like it's not technically simple but it feels so simple when you're watching it and you get it immediately and it's the reason that like every other werewolf movie that comes after other than that you know that hammer movie and a few exceptions like maybe ginger snaps which really charts its own path um they're they're taking from the wolfman they're not taking from the werewolf of london that came before this yeah. which is kind of a jekyll and hyde movie and um, it's the reason that like they talk about this movie in american werewolf in london and it's playing on the tv in the howling mm-hmm. it's it's the movie that that creates a monster i would say even more so than dracula and frankenstein do which sort of create a look but this movie creates a lore and i think right, that's amazing right no, I totally agree with that because that, that's like it's got the whole cycle and everything. You're getting like a whole sandwich of information with these. Yeah, but well, I didn't it, even address your question, but go ahead, Mitch. What was the question? What was the question? Uh, the question was, why does Bella Lugosi as um, as the gypsy turn into a full wolf? Oh. I have absolutely no idea. Oh, no, that was my question. That was my question. <laughs> None of us remember. It's okay. I think I have a I have a brief like I, I have a guess. I have a go guess. As, okay, what's yours? Well, my guess is, like, from reading the IMDb trivia, it's that was Lon Chaney Jr.'s actual dog. <laughs> well, yes. So, <laughs> so he wanted like, to get his dog paid? What, like, yeah, he, well, he, he adopted wanted, the dog afterwards. Dude, I, oh, he he adopted the dog after the movie? Because oh. of this movie, yeah. He took that dog home. What? That's fucking awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, that is killed great. and stuffed and put in a museum. And <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay, I think I think that the reason that he changes differently is because maybe he's been a werewolf longer. Like the longer you do it, the more yeah. you just become aware. Like that's the only oh. idea I had out of that. That's what but, I got from it too. Yeah. yeah, and and like you're saying, with um, this movie being so important to like American Werewolf and pretty much every other werewolf movie is um, like this is a basic story that made American American Werewolf uses the exact same, same template for their movie. So like, obviously, I like that movie more, but it's like I I, I love the fact that the Wolfman was made and it it's so well done that they could take those roots and I could get American Werewolf in in London out of it, right? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the Wolfman walked so uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn could, you know, really, <laughs> just, really run. Just Breaking Dawn. Yeah. Well, just one, is that part one and two? That Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, Am I like, the only one who didn't feel bad for the guy? I was just kind of like, man, fuck this guy. Yeah, really? no, that you're the only one. I, I think felt it's pretty bad, man. I he think was living such a he, tragic life. I guess he I was just about to so get his. Creepy. 
he, he was so creepy to me at the start that I, I like didn't want him to succeed because I was like, that's not how you pick up yeah. girls. Come on. He, he was finally making some traction on on this uh, this dame. <laughs> this, this, this gal. Like, I'm going to sound like such a nerd right now, but I recently was watching a documentary about film noir and I love this explanation of film noir this guy gives. He says, uh, so you're a man. You're about to have the best fucking sex of your life. And then you get accused for a murder that you didn't commit and you're headed to the gas chamber. And that's the wolf man. Like it Larry is, Talbot yeah. is about to have the best sex he's ever had. Yeah. And he turns into a werewolf and he's gonna get beaten to death. Oh man. Yeah. It's an so ultimate tragedy. So he's choked and he's going home to Papa and he's telling him, Look, I'm a werewolf. Boys, <laughs> I don't mean to derail this uh, at all, even though that's all I do on this show. But let's talk about the let's talk about the remake for a quick second. I know oh, okay. I know Boozy's opinion, but I'm just I'm laying my flag down here. I don't give a fuck. I love that movie. I love the remake of The Wolfman, and I always have. I saw it back to back nights in the theater the night the weekend that it came out. It was a big deal to me, and it's because of my love for this movie. And I think that it, the reason I like it so much is because they made a lot of the right decisions. Like, there's a lot of really strong decisions that were made in that remake. I think they took points of dialogue from the original and turned them into full character arcs. Like, they even di- they discuss uh, Larry going into, uh, like, a meant a psychiatric hospital and in the Wolfman and in the remake, you actually see that scene. Yes. Which like, is really cool. That was, that's one of the best scenes of the movie. Yeah. That's a, one of the best scenes of the movie. Of course, the effects aren't as good as an American werewolf in London or the howling or like countless other werewolf movies that we love. And right. the worst, the worst part about it is that, um, it got, uh, Rick, uh, Rick Baker to basically want to stop making movies like which, which like that's the for me the worst the worst thing that the Wolfman could have done is to discourage Rick Baker in the slightest but it, that is what it did unfortunately but I think as a movie I love that it stayed gothic I love that it stayed in the the era I love that it went um, in the directions that went I thought Benicio del Toro was good for the most part Emily Blunt was great uh, I love that. I, I fucking love that movie, and I know no one else does. So I'm just I'm I'm laying my stake. Who, down who here. plays the dad in that again? Anthony Hopkins. You've done terrible things, oh. Lawrence. Terrible. And, and you know what the, the thing is, is that I don't like that movie, but I saw it a lot when it came. I saw it four times, like in the span of the first year it was out, and I just <laughs> like, like dude. I, 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 I had not this movie once. I had no yeah, idea exactly. Not the original once. <laughs> I had no idea this remake existed. I'm just learning about it right now. It was like a big deal. Like. That's insane. But Kyle, you're you're a little bit younger, but not that much younger. Uh, I'm trying to give you a pass somehow. Either Dude, way, no, the Wolfman no, like, bombed. It didn't do well. But this I, is one of those weird blips on my like knowledge that this like, was just a, cur- a like just happens every like this is fucking this is a Joe Johnson movie. How did I not know this existed? Dude, I, this love I love Dude, it. I love it. It's, Joe it's very. It's very much my thing. I also love I love the scene with the gypsy camp and like the Wolfman actually tearing shit up. Oh uh, yeah, there's, yeah. Some really, there's some really good practical effects mixed in there. Um, but yeah, I, the the worst part about the movie is also a great part about the movie, and that's I love that uh, they they flip it on its head and make um, Lawrence's father the original werewolf, or rather than Bela, like Bela the gypsy. 
And wow, I, I like to ruin it for Kyle. Okay, that's okay. I I, I like I I like that idea because it makes more sense, especially with the opening credits of how that this lore has stuck around for all these years because of the Talbots and this town, and yeah. um, they 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 like it just makes sense to me. But at the same time, the worst part about the movie, the worst part of the remake, is both Talbots fighting each other at the end. Like that's <sighs> just unnecessary, it, it, <laughs> entirely well, unnecessary, and it turns into an action movie, which it doesn't need to be. Well, they that both look funny. like like Beast from X Men, and they're like running up walls <laughs> and fighting each other, and the house yeah. is on fire, and we they're, have, they're delivering one liners. Yeah, we have we have that different ideas of we have different ideas. Boozy and I uh, basically became friends because of a mutual love of werewolves, True. but we have very different uh, opinions on what makes a great werewolf, and uh, yeah. that's totally cool. I think. No, and yeah, and that's that's why I like in this movie having that double representation because like the the werewolf I like more is the one that looks more like an animal and less like a dude with mutton chops. See, I like yeah, actual funny. wolf men. Yeah, I think I like the mutton chops too. I'm more into yeah, that. I like I want it to be an actual wolf man. Like, but that's also you got to keep in mind. Uh, this would have been the second werewolf movie I ever saw, though. The first right. one would be American Werewolf in London. I saw that first. So, yeah. was, yeah, there Scooby, I... was there not a Scooby Doo? Did you not see? Was there not Scooby Doo in the Wolfman? <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to bring up. Actually, my I think my my introduction to the Universal Monsters series would have been like Scooby Doo and their homages to all those yeah. all those creatures. That's not weird. I, I think yeah. that's a good way for it to to carry through the generations. Like it's it's kind of a natural progression because even my, now, like we still have that knowledge. You know, my this is a little tidbit for next episode, but my introduction to Dracula. Dracula dead and loving it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I recently, that's like secretly great. I've been oh, man. That. It, it makes like, so a, much sense yes. than Mitch's. Yeah, it's the most yeah. Mitch thing to say that. Yeah, man, that really I, checks out. Oh, honestly, I think that Dracula dead and loving it might have been the first movie I ever saw in theaters. <laughs> or it, it was like around that time. But I saw that movie with my like sisters and their friends when we were all too young to be going to the theaters. But like, I love that movie. Can't remember it, but I had a blast as a kid. <laughs> I have questions about this because I don't know a ton about the the whole the, this part of, especially like the old monster movies. Is there a sequel to this? Oh, okay. <laughs> so there is Uh-oh. not an official Wolfman series like there is with uh, the Frankenstein series. Yeah, really yeah, the only, yeah, like true franchise in Universal Monsters is Frankenstein, but he's included in all of the monster mashes. So this is like the first shared universe uh, where experience. they have their individual movies and then they all come together in one movie. So technically the sequel to the Wolfman is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Right. And and it really works as a sequel. Like it clearly picks up after this movie, but then he goes to meet Frankenstein and it's a very silly movie. It's kind of fun. It's not one of my favorite universal monsters movies, but um, yeah, it's kind of fun. It works what's, as a sequel. What's his motivation for wanting to go there? Like what is the Wolfman reasoning to, to meet Frankenstein? Yeah. Like, so the entire movie, it centers <laughs> around him wanting to die. It's about him tr- because he doesn't die in this movie. And Relatable. essentially the plot is he can't die and he wants to die. My so it's man. all a movie about suicide. And I think they just find Frankenstein melted in ice. And he yeah, meets oh. like the descendant of Frankenstein, who's like this really beautiful woman. And he wants her to find a way to kill him. But then she wants to revive this Frankenstein monster. That's 
It yeah, it's it's a wild movie. This man. is <laughs> way more convoluted than I expected for like. Oh, a dude, 40, it's it's bizarre. Movies. Like how how many times did Lon Chaney Jr. play Wolfman? Uh, you know, Daniel, off the top of your head, five movies, five, five. Movies. Yeah, Holy. see, he's done it a bunch, and like that's what you you mentioned. Uh, this is almost like these movies are all kind of like precursors to what we grew to love in the eighties, what we grew to know was possible in the eighties. Yeah, I think that's more like, of our roots. Like, I feel like that's more my roots. Like, totally. my roots. Yeah, yeah. And but what I also love is that like even if uh, Wolfman meets Frankenstein isn't a great movie, or Frank- Frankenstein would. What is it? Wolfman meets Frankenstein. Is that what's called? Meets the Wolfman. There we go. Yeah, that's still Freddy Frank- versus Jason. Yes. <laughs> like it's like this is like the first time that that that's like the first time that this has been become an option to cross yeah, yeah. cross storylines. And there's so many different things about these movies that are pre they they predate all of the things that we love. And that that I think it's just it's it's amazing. How well this movie actually holds up, though. I, I still think that The Wolfman is a great movie, and it's like heartbreaking and it's tragic, and it's also like the effects are groundbreaking. And you like people like that's the type of shit that is going to make me want to noogie you if you're going to want to make fun of, of like the the effects in this movie. But like, I think it's fucking unbelievable what they were able to ki- oh, yeah. achieve with nineteen oh, and nineteen forty one. That's that's Unreal. insane. It's it's ridiculous to think that that exists. Like, like dude, they did that before Pearl Harbor. Yeah, before yeah. Michael Bay. <laughs> yes, they did. They just, yes, they did. You know what? You don't um, edit that silence out. You deserve that. <laughs> That's well, the thing about these Universal <laughs> Monsters movies that doesn't date is the way the monsters look. Because uh, Jack Pierce, who did the makeup for all these movies, just did insane work. Like one of my favorites is uh, Boris Karloff in The Mummy. Like the makeup in that opening scene is staggeringly good, and I don't think a mummy has ever looked that good again. Um, yeah, I think this movie has dated uh, like almost perfectly, except maybe for some problematic uh, sexual things, like uh, Kyle talked about a little bit. But, but I mean, um, we see that even with like early two thousands oh, movies. So who oh, cares? For it's sure, not who cares, but like it's going to happen for sure. Like Frankenstein and Dracula feel very dated. Now they feel dated for very understandable reasons because they're some of the first talkies ever made and they feel dated in a way that I love. Like I love the silence and the hiss of the very early sound technology that wasn't quite there yet. I love all that stuff. It's very nostalgic for me, but um, I don't have to like transport my brain into like a different mode to watch the Wolfman. It, it even watched as like a modern movie. I just think it works perfectly. And I also think one big reason for it, which is one of my favorite things about this movie that we haven't talked about yet is the score. Oh, oh my it, God. Oh, I have yeah. notes about that. Yeah. It's yeah. Go for it, man. Let's hear him. Um, well, I guess my, my big note is that I, I feel like the, like star Wars took a lot from this, especially in the, the, the start there's a John Williams. Yeah. It's, it's weird that we mentioned the like aunt Maru burning thing already, but like the music when like the suns are coming up, is like it yeah. feels like the same music that's at it's the so start epic. of this movie actually yeah. like so when, when it's for yeah it, it's it's awesome it's you beautiful. really you really don't get to hear scores like that and i think it really helps going back to like having all the actors at the start showing and having that music like that also helps to make it such a bigger scope well, well it has a lot of moving parts that just like 
effortlessly fit together. Like this movie is 70 minutes long <laughs> and it packs nope. so much into it. Like the pacing is kind of wild. Like in a way it moves really fast, but when it needs to take its time, it slows down a bit and it takes its time. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it's, I think he's when he's just kind of coming to the realization that he is going to become the Wolfman, And then like images start to like overlay and his head starts to like spin out of control. Like that shit looks insane. And like, even though like, it's getting out of control and like the character's losing his mind, like literally on screen, the yeah. like, it's like a static kind of shot of him losing his mind. And like, it's a good example of this film taking its time, but also like just shoving everything at you. It's, it's fucking genius actually. Like the more we talk about this movie, the more I realize how, how it's well per- it, it holds it's a perfectly up. paced movie. Yeah. I think this is I, like I, one of the most, I feel like it could have another 10 minutes. Oh yeah, I I guess I could. I mean, I almost never say a movie could be longer, but maybe no. But I mean, it, like Mitch, when we're talking about like the the newer one, I think what what year is that? Twenty ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that movie. Like if they would have added one more of the like how you're saying, added like the asylum scene or or the the gypsy camp scene. If they would have given it like ten more minutes just to have that, I think that would have made it like a lot more interesting. I understand that that would have been like impossible to film for them, but. <laughs> Oh, there's one thing I got to bring up near the beginning of this movie. Um, I have to say that going uh, luxury cane shopping under the age of 40 might be the most privileged thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> that I is... want that cane so bad. Oh, that yeah. That is a that's sick cane. That's, that's some big yeah. dick energy there. Also, yeah. there's the one, um, I guess it's the mother of the woman who dies near the beginning of the film. I forget the woman's name right now, but... Her mother is like obviously like very vocal in the community and pretty upset that her daughter died, which is fair. Church lady, yeah, yeah. But it's hilarious when she's outside, like bad mouthing Larry outside the church. She just sounds like a, <laughs> she just sounds like an anti masker. She's like going hard. Like, have you ever all seen the, it before? Does it even exist? <laughs> all I've never care. seen COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's a fucking great movie and like what a like this obviously wasn't the way i was planning like obviously we were planning on going via date the date released for these movies coming out uh but we're going to be jumping back 10 years on the next episode but uh i do want to know if you guys have anything you want to add to the wolfman before we close up because i do know that daniel has a special list for our listeners that he's going to offer up at the very end of this episode i, I want to know one- for I only have one thing to add. I think the only way this movie could improve is if Silver Bullet by Hawthorne Heights played or um, She-Wolf by Shakira. I think that's pretty much the only I'm way. Gonna, I'm going to double down on She-Wolf with you. Yeah. That, uh, you get a good a-woo in the song. Yeah. And I'm going to go with Silver A-woo. Bullet because that was the first Hawthorne Heights song I ever heard. It made me too. It. Me too. Yeah, first that was the but, very but first Hawthorne But is there Hawthorne an a-woo in there? There is no a-woo, although mm. I could use one. Maybe near no, the there's end. Much, there's much more than that. Daniel, do you have anything you want to add to the Wolfman? Uh, one last thing: the score for this movie is so good that they reused it for most of the Universal Monsters sequels that came after it. It's the Wolfman score over and over and over That's again. Fucking awesome! You know what? Wouldn't <laughs> even complain about I, it. I honestly didn't fits. know that. <laughs> it probably fits. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's. We're gonna close things out here. But before we do, we have Daniel. You made a list. You comprised a list of. Would it be three or five? Five Hammer movies to check out over the Halloween season. And these are all oh. cobwebs, cobwebs approved 
uh, Hammer movies. So what do you got for us, Daniel? I'm going to be writing these down right now. So here's how I thought about this list where like, I figure if you have any interest in looking up hammer movies, if you do five seconds of research, everyone's going to tell you, watch the first Frankenstein movie, watch the first Dracula movie. So I decided nobody needs me to tell them to watch those movies. So I went outside of that and here are five that I really love. And I tried to go with ones that are catering to different tastes. And I'm going to talk about that. So maybe you'll hear one and be like, oh, that sounds like the kind of thing I'm interested in. So I'll check that out. So so I tried to go for a diverse list of five Hammer movies to check out. Um, number one is The Gorgon. The Gorgon is really, really interesting because it's the only horror movie ever made that is about uh, the Medusa monster from Greek mythology. Oh. So it's very interesting from that perspective. And it's a really cool looking monster. But it's it's a really, really classy Hammer movie, and it's a really good romantic drama. Like, I think the romance of this movie is really solid and really emotionally investing. Uh, it also has Peter Cushing in kind of an evil role. It has Christopher Lee in a hero role, which is awesome. And he's got a big, bushy, gray mustache, and he's got a very entertaining performance going. So it's this really good, classy, romantic drama that's like a little gorier and has a little more monster stuff than maybe it should. And that's that's one thing I love about Hammer. Uh, next up, I've got Twins of Evil. So for me, this is the peak of like 70s hammer exploitation. They started out very classy and they went real trashy as they went along towards the end. And I like that stuff too. And for me, this one's the peak. I always call this movie a kitchen sink movie because they're just throwing everything they can at the screen. Basically, the like the hook of this movie is the twins of evil are played by these these Playboy twin models, and uh, maybe if you come see the movie, you'll get to see them naked, and that's the marketing hook of Twins of Evil. <laughs> it's a vampire movie, but it also has satanic cults. It also has uh, witch burnings. Again, it has Peter Cushing as this very very evil pious priest who's trying to burn any woman that he wants and just calls her a witch. Uh, it's a really fun, wild, crazy movie that I really love. Twins, Next. dude. Twins. twins, dude. There's two of them. That makes them twins. <laughs> so continue. But, um, uh, so next up, um, I do have one of the Dracula sequels. Dracula has risen from the grave. I always say the Hammer Dracula franchise is the first slasher franchise. If you go through this franchise, it's astounding how much it has in common with the Nightmare on Elm Street and the Friday the 13th franchise. And uh, this movie feels like a full-on slasher. It's about a group of uh, young people. They're like college students. But the thing is, they're very, very likable. And um, they're very very—they're more interesting than like a normal college student slasher character might be. The main guy, uh, the main point about his character is that he's an atheist, which makes it interesting because so much about vampire lore is based in Christianity and crosses and holy water. And he doesn't believe in any of that stuff. So how does he oh, fight Dracula? Yeah, that's a good uh, mix, yeah. Yeah, and his um, his girlfriend's uh, uncle is a priest, and there's this really interesting confrontation between them where he won't back down. He's like, "No, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in this stuff." And the priest is very offended, and it's a it's a really good scene. But um, it's like a solid slasher movie where Dracula is just taking out these people, and um, it's a super fun movie. Uh, Horror of Dracula is the best Dracula movie of these franchise, but this one might be my favorite because it's so much fun. Next up, I've got The Devil Rides Out, which Mitch probably heard me talk about because I talked about it in the last episode of Cobwebs. Uh, the thing about this is it's a satanic horror movie from the 1960s, and it is just like very, very satanic. And there are full-on satanic rituals going on. You actually get a look at the devil, and he's like this half-man, half-goat monster. That's it's my really, shit. Let's see, what is this yeah, called? I want to watch shit. this shit. The Devil it's Rides Out. <laughs> 
It's good. It's like, I feel like if you're not into hammer movies, this is when you'd watch and be like, Oh, this is interesting and different. And, um, and has this really oppressive satanic atmosphere and Christopher Lee, who, you know, normally plays monsters like Dracula and the mummy. Uh, he's the hero in this movie and he's like a badass devil fighter. And I really, really love his performance. And then number five is a very personal favorite of mine, The Plague of the Zombies. Now, this is the first Hammer movie that I watched and I fell in love with that did not have Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and it was not directed by Terrence Fisher, who were like the top dogs of Hammer Horror. It didn't have any of those things going for it. And I still fell so hard in love with it. And I was like, oh, it's not just that I'm like a Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee fan. I just love this whole thing. It's a really good zombie movie. Um, zombie movies before Night of the Living Dead were all about voodoo and like uh, Haitian yeah. culture. So that's what this movie is because it, it predates Night of the Living Dead by two years. But it is like staggeringly ahead of its time. And the zombie stuff is so much closer to George Romero than anything else that I've seen from that sort of period. And it's got some really cool like zombies bursting out of the grave sequences and the characters are really, really likable. Again, like I think Hammer's great at, at likable protagonists. And uh, it's a little bit in plot of a Dracula ripoff because it's got like this this rich guy who lives in a castle who's like turning people into zombies with like voodoo instead of turning them into vampires. But uh, it's a really, really fun movie. So that's Plague of the Zombies. And that's my five Hammer movies to check out this season. I uh, definitely approve of all of them. That's awesome, awesome, man. Thank you so much for bringing those yeah, to you. the table. We really appreciate that. And I wrote those all down, so I'll make a little post, and we'll, we will share them on our Instagram, which you can follow. We are active on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, so you'll find all of the information that you can find for all of all things the Terror Table. Uh, you can also find Cobwebs on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, correct? Uh, not Facebook, but Twitter and Instagram, for sure. Okay, Cobwebs cob, cob Pod. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Cobweb spot. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for joining today, Daniel. This was a long time coming. Thank you you so much. This was a ton of fun. You're a great dude. Yeah, it's thank you for listening too. Yeah. I'm a big fan of you guys, so it's been it's been really fun for me for sure. Yeah, it's been a great to get to know you and uh, cross streams with our podcasts. And uh, I'm so <laughs> we, happy. We so, love crossing streams. Yeah, sorry sure. to use that yeah. terminology, but no, I love that you're I love that you're doing your own thing and you're you're killing it. You're doing such a good job, and just keep that up. And uh, I can't wait to keep on listening to Cobwebs, and yeah. hopefully our listeners are gonna transfer over there as well. Thanks, dude. I really appreciate it. Hell yeah. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week on the Terror Table, in which we are going to be talking about Dracula from 1931. So uh, we'll be back with our, our boy, Bevan Boychuk. This will be the first time that we talk to our boy, Bevan. He is now a former suge- professional wrestler. Yeah, he he has uh, and he's a YouTuber, but a he YouTuber. he has suggested our last two series. So it's about time that we bring that motherfucker on uh, <laughs> looking, looking forward to that. Uh, but yet either way, it's October. Everybody happy, spooky season mm-hmm. and enjoy your evenings. Enjoy your days. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of drunk right now, so I'm going to stop recording. <laughs> Have a great night. <laughs> OK, right. Take care. see you guys. Bye.